welcome to another groundbreaking episode of Sequel Pitch, the podcast where four film-loving friends pitch a sequel to a film that doesn't have one. My name is Andy Henry, and the bodyguards looking to take a bullet from you this week are Drew Toynbee. Hello there. Ross Harmston. Hello there, motherfucker. <laughs> and everyone, please welcome back the Viking XL, Matt Rushton. I'd take a bullet for you all, boys. Aww. Aww. Nah, rubber bullet. <laughs> i want to say a huge thank you to jordan king who helped host and judge our show last week matt i missed you and i can say for everyone on behalf of us welcome back thank you missed you boys oh. i didn't i didn't miss you one no oh, i was about to it make quiet i mean i was just trying to be polite for the for the podcast i thought the others would join in but all right <laughs> since we're hating <laughs> so what you mean is you had a loving it was such a good podcast. It was such a good episode last week. I can't put my finger on why, but it was su- something was great. <laughs> <laughs> How rude. This week we watched the 2017 action comedy The Hitman's Bodyguard, starring Ryan Reynolds, Samuel, Jack- Samuel L. L. Starring Ryan Reynolds, Samuel L. Jackson, and Sama Hayek. Bloody hell, I can't say names. Uh. In case you haven't seen the movie, here is our typical 89 and a half second synopsis. Michael Bryce, uh, Ryan Reynolds, is a AAA-related, elite UK-based private bodyguard until one of his clients, Kuwasawa, is assassinated on his watch. A few years later, we see Marco has fallen from grace and now looks after drug-addicted corporate executives in London. Meanwhile, Vladislav Dukovic, Gary Oldman, the ruthless dictator of Belarus, is on trial for crimes against humanity at the International Criminal Court. With no hard evidence, mere hearsay, Dukovic goes free. This is where we meet Darius Kincaid, Samuel L. Jackson, an incarcerated contract killer who agrees to testify that Dukovic hired him to assassinate a political rival in exchange for the release of his wife, Sonia, uh, Sam Hayek, from prison. Darius is escorted by Interpol agent Amelia Ruzes, uh, Elodie Young, and her team from the from UK to the International Criminal Court in The Hague. The team are betrayed by Interpol's assistant director, Fucha, and are ambushed by Dukovic men. Amelia and Darius survive and escape to a safe house. Realising they can't trust Interpol, Amelia calls Michael for help. On the way, we find out Michael and Amelia were once a couple, but Michael thinks Amelia sold him out by telling Interpol about Kurosawa in order to climb the ranks. But it turns out that Darius was the one who killed Kurosawa and was responsible for losing Michael's AAA rating. Michael turns his back on Darius and tries to escape when Dukovic's men try to kill him. Michael helps Darius escape but ends up being captured and tortured until Darius rescues him. The pair make it to The Hague with seconds left before the court is dismissed and Darius testifies with photo evidence that nails Dukovic of a massacre. Dukovic admits guilt and goes balls to the wall and tries to blow up the court to escape. But Amelia finds out Future is the direct as the traitor and Dukovic tries to shoot Darius but Michael jumps in front of the bullet. Wounded, he tells Darius to go on and we see Future and Amelia fight. Michael then shoots Future and saves Amelia. On the roof, Dukovic tries to escape by helicopter but Darius destroys it and kicks him off the roof, killing him. Michael and Amelia stop being an I and become a we as Darius is arrested for his various crimes, but breaks out of prison several months later, and so he and Sonia can celebrate their anniversary. So, boys, what do we think? Matt, welcome back. Thank Share you. Share your thoughts. Uh, you know what? I really enjoyed it. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a fun film. It mm-hmm. You can't take it seriously. <laughs> it's, uh, there's some... Certainly escaped reality. <laughs> I mean, Samuel L. Jackson should have been dead within the first. Yeah, five he's almost godlike in the movie. Movie. Yeah, like... he's like a literal wizard. Like yeah. that the, when he's Ryan Reynolds is following him, taking out the bad guys who were who were about to get him, 
and Samuel L. Jackson never looks back. And then he's like, oh, yeah, and you took out that guy and you did this and you hid that guy in a bush. And then when they get to the safe house in Amsterdam and Ryan Reynolds can't remember the code and then he opens the door from the inside and it's like, no, no. Yeah, he had enough time to get a beer as well. Like break yeah. in and grab a beer. He's like, well. he's actually magic, <laughs> but it is funny. Like yeah, if you yeah. break away from that and if you don't take it seriously, this is for me a great film. The casting mm. is sublime for it. Like Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson. I wish they'd work together in every movie. Actually, like the chemistry, mm. they were electric on screen yeah. together. Yeah. Supporting actors, mm. brilliant. You know, Salma Hayek is fucking mint in this role. But yeah, to to summarise, I bloody loved it. Yep, yeah, Drew. Anything I yeah, well, that's the thing. I I can't add much more. Like it, Was it's there a standout scene or anything. Um, There's so many. I well, no, I think my my absolute favourite scene is the. The, the entire sequence where it's the middle of the night and they're in the back road and Sam L. Jackson says he has to go to the toilet and he uses the hip flask to make it sound like he's going to the toilet and he disappears and then he comes back to steal the car but then Ryan Reynolds gets the up on him and yeah. so it's the the economy of the script in that sequence where it shows them both being really clever it shows that neither of them is they're both clever enough to outsmart the other one for a minute but not long enough and then to have this action scene where it's still all informed by their character and ha- characters and they're hiding behind the car. And it's really funny because they're having a go at each other and all the ammunition in the back of the car explodes and it blows up the other van. And Sam Jackson starts <laughs> screaming with laughter when it blows up. Like it's that scene in particular is absolutely astonishing. And it's for me the biggest letdown that there are two things in this film that I didn't get on with at all. The first one is in the first 15 minutes, Gary Oldman shooting a woman and a, and a young Oops, boy. Yeah. What a way to set up a bad guy. Though. Yeah. In, yeah, absolutely. And they Maybe clearly a bit dark in this kind of precisely pre- exactly. They clearly wanted to be like, we need everyone to understand that this is a bad dude. And no matter how much we say the words genocide or ethnic cleansing, no one is going to care that he's a baddie unless we see him do something incredibly reprehensible, but nothing that, that dark, there's plenty of violence and ultra violence, but nothing that harrowing happens anywhere else in the film. And I kept going through being like, this is hilarious. These guys have an incredible chemistry and the, some of the stunts are really, really good. And I'm enjoying this way more than I expected to. And in fact, I've seen this film before and I'd forgotten it. And I was like, oh, I don't remember this film. It's probably not going to be very good. And I had an absolute blast. But then I kept on just randomly flashing back and going, hey, Gary Oldman shot a kid at the beginning of this film. <laughs> um, the only other complaint that I would have is that the second big chase scene um, through Amsterdam with the speedboat and speedboat and the motorbikes and all the cars and the machine guns and everything, to me was just so bog standard. And after having a scene with Sam Jackson and Ryan Reynolds hiding behind a car, being shot at by three dudes in the dark on a, like a back street near Coventry, being so electric, and then having this whole giant action scene just leaving me completely cold, I was like, I want more 
of these characters dealing with stuff, not just well, well executed, well choreographed, well, like well performed action scene. But it just, I was just like, I want these guys to be talking to each other while they're doing this. But yeah. other than that, blinding performances and, and really funny and really charming and uh, uh, yet another it, it it's lovely to see sam jackson having so much fun like he oh, yeah. he looks like he had just the best time making this movie and it's infectious and i, yeah. I really enjoyed it well that point the you know, the point you're making like before that when ryan reynolds character when they realize uh sam jackson's character killed his, his client at the start and he kind of gives up and he has that that scene where he's kind of given up as a drink and all the mayhem goes on behind them from all yeah. the people that want to kill Sam Jackson. That was funny. Are you saying like that bit was fine, but then the chase after? Yeah, yeah, that like... was fine, but the the yeah. chase itself, yeah, was yeah, found, was just very. It, it it had it had nothing that made it stand out from any yeah. of a thousand other chases that I've seen before, yeah. other than the fact that it was in Amsterdam. But that in itself isn't quite enough for me. But that's that is a minor complaint. Very, very minor. And the the reason that I singled out my complaints is that those are the only two that I really have. And and the fact that Samuel L. Jackson is a, is a wizard <laughs> who can defy the laws of physics. Yeah. But that's just part of the joke. Ross, any uh, any complaints? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, there should have been more <laughs> child death in it, obviously. Um, uh, I yeah, it was a good movie. I think it for me is an average comedy action movie. Um, I don't think I will remember it past watching maybe the sequel. Um, I I don't know why. I think it was, you know, I thought there was too much CGI in it. That they went, oh, we'll do that in post. We'll make, we'll put some helicopters and we'll put some fire and we'll put some stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Like in post, a lot of stuff was done in post. Um, I thought, yes, yeah, Samuel. I thought that, yeah, like like the guy said, I thought the relationship between the two were, was good. Ryan Reynolds is just being Ryan Reynolds. I think once he once he did once he did Deadpool, he like that cemented mm. his sort of way of acting. I think. Um, it's that quippy sort of uh, yeah. smarty, uh, smart Alex sort of, uh, and it works for him, and it works for him. I just didn't, I don't know, I don't know. There's, there's, I just felt it was just Ryan Reynolds playing an assassin, uh, a bodyguard. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. No, I've got the exact same thoughts. I really liked it, but yeah, same for Ross. Like, I'll, I'll probably watch this one again in a year, maybe if it's on TV and I'm passing, but. Mm. As I say, nothing that's that will make me come back. See, I watched the second one, but um, like, yeah, I'll probably not, not really watch this one again. As I say, there were so many, so many good scenes. Samuel Jackson trying to jump from the rooftop to the fire escape and then kind of like <laughs> crashing all the way down. That was a like, quality stun. Yeah, that was a, that was brilliant. Yeah, they made me chuckle so much. And like the Ryan Reynolds with the with the chaos happening behind. There were so many funny scenes in this movie. But yeah, the whole way through, I was just be like, it's still very average for me. Like. I didn't like the fact that they used so much Vaseline on the lens as well at some <laughs> points. There was a lot of blurry sort of similar to the Army of Dead way of like, not as much like, but there was a lot of sort of, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what Shallow they used, what kind of camp. Yeah. We need a conversation about that movie. Well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we do. We do. Um, we do. Maybe we need to add that to the list soon. <laughs> yeah. Um, and 
yeah like again yeah it's it's a good movie i i really liked the action sequences like when ryan reynolds is running away from the the guys and he like hits one of them with an axe and he's like throwing stuff at them and <laughs> yeah yeah the, it's just the like, hardware store fight and when he's ch- and you know when Samuel L. Jackson's walking away from him, and uh, Ryan Reynolds is killing all the people that are about to kill Samuel L. Jackson, that was cool. Um, but yeah, uh, I thought, I mean, that it j- I think Gary Oldman in it is just uh, we just need a bad guy for them to kill at the end, um, and it was just he was just put in there. Do you know what I mean? Um, he was good though. He was he was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as as far as a angry guy goes yeah Ga- gary oldman yeah, gary doing oldman. his doing his <laughs> yeah. evil russian accent <laughs> yeah, yeah that he just sort of keeps in a drawer for when <laughs> someone's like hey do you want to earn do you want to earn a million dollars to come and shoot this for a week and a half and just look menacing while you sit in a chair and he's like yeah all right yeah and then he does it going um back to what drew said about um the beginning feeling really weird compared to the rest of the movie um i looked at a little bit of trivia and it was rewritten because it was supposed to be a drama um and they rewrote it to be a comedy well there we go yeah yeah and then i think another director was attached to it and then um what's the chops came into it um what's his name what's his what's his blooming name oh his name what the the director director. yeah the director it's Patrick no, it's, Hughes. That was it. I'm, yes, I'm he's directed. Um, he's directed Expendables mm. and some others. Which, which now you can kind of go, ah, oh, okay, I see. Because yeah. it, yeah. it spent a lot of time in in just in just limbo, a script that was just written, and then they were like, now nah, we're going to rewrite it. Um, which, which you can kind of tell actually. Uh, so yeah, it was Jeff Wadlow. Um, in 2016, um, exited the movie, um, and then Patrick Hughes signed on to direct it. But yeah, it was um, it was, the script went under underwent a frantic two week rewrite to be remade into a comedy. Several two weeks. weeks. Two weeks. Wow. Yeah. I wonder how much of it that was it maybe improvised on. Well, yeah, the that's tons. the thing. It re- like yeah. Ryan Reynolds is clearly very comfortable improvising yeah is we so it's probably they just left that bit in the beginning because they were like yeah. ah this sets him up as a bad guy and it's like yeah. it doesn't read the tone <laughs> yeah. of the whole rest of the movie but okay. it's so it's so funny that my assumption was that it was always a comedy and they got a studio note saying you've got to make gary oldman more evil <laughs> when actually it was the other way around that's so yeah. fascinating yeah I'll try and not say too much because it could open a whole conversation in itself. And we've kind of touched on genre of it and the the action comedy and the dark. I must admit, I watched that introduction in quite a different light. I was like, okay, so what they're doing here is they're setting it up that, you know, they're using comedy almost as a buffer for some of the darker shit that's going to happen in this movie. You know, thinking films like Kingsman and the other guys this action comedy genre where they almost can go overboard with the gore and with the shock factor because it's got this lace of humor throughout it we kind of talked about quips in commando where 
uh, is that used to water down what you see and I kind of thought that that's what they were doing with this that it was a moment to shock you but ultimately you know that moment of shock was to prepare you and remind you that this is a quite a gory quite a violent film but the humor is there to allow you to almost enjoy the ride a little bit more and that was kind of just what I was going to pick up on my feelings about that introduction but what Ross has said is clearly uh, probably more tonally accurate uh, let's go around. Any other favourite funny scenes we ever mentioned? If not, scores out of five. Let's start with Ross. Um, no, oh, I've, I think I've said all my um, funny scenes. I think it's a it's an average movie, an average comedy action movie for me. Um, it's not bad. It's not the greatest. Uh, it's it's an enjoyable experience to watch. And there, I don't think it will stand the test of time, but who knows? That's my own personal opinion. So I'm going to give it two and a half. Uh, oh, wow. God. Um, oh, two and a half. Um, oh, two and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of something that was said in the movie and I can't remember any of it. Two and a half sh- children being shot. There you go. <laughs> Ross's recurring theme. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, Drew? I enjoyed this film a surprising amount. But I'm, I feel a bit weird about it because I had, I had an absolute blast watching it. But I cannot for the life of me bring myself <laughs> to score it to score it at a level that would make sense for me being that effusive with how much i like it so i'm with with the best will in the world and with it being a huge recommendation from me um i'm going to score it 3.75 samuel L. jackson's definitely being wizards <laughs> as hitmen out of 5 3.75 and a, and a 2.5 at the moment, Matt. What you got? Um, I was sat there going, hmm, I don't know if I can give it a four. Like looking at the other movies yeah, that I've yeah. rated, yeah, I'm like, yeah. can I score it the same as Willy Wonka? Am I that kind of person? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think I can because I. If you watch this in the wrong mood, you will hate this movie as well. I think it is worth saying like. If you're not in the mood for it, this movie could end up just boring you or pissing you off or you're just not vibing it. So for that reason, I'm not going to give it as high as a four, but I will join Drew very close to four and give it a 3.75 cellmate stud in a corner whilst (laughs) (laughs) Sonia's taking her calls. (laughs) I felt so sorry for her. I was like, <laughs> I really like Salma Hayek. And then I was like, oh, she's mean. Yeah. yeah. She gives yeah. her a five minute break at the end of one eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so, was that 3.75 for you as well? It is. Mm-hmm. You say there's really funny bits, but I'm going to give it 3.5, I think, because I was going to give it 3.25. I'm going to give it a little bit extra. Uh, so, I'll give it three, three and a half. Oddly shot Gary Oldman's hitting car, hitting a car. Did anyone else realize that at the end when he. Half CGI, half hit the car. It was really weird. It was like his stunt double, like obviously hit it, and then Gary Oldman came in and kind of like finished the fall. But it was like cut really weirdly, like really like I don't know for me anyway. And then like obviously the, the CGI, the first bit, looked like 
Also, also, are we supposed to believe that he's alive and that, that all the guys are going to beat him up now? Because that's what it implied to me. I was like, because he was still breathing when he landed. Yeah, like I, it kind of, again, I, I reckon now that you've said it, it's probably a holdover from an earlier draft of the script where the crowd literally come in and like yeah. beat him to death on camera. <laughs> yeah. they but they were just like, oh, maybe we shouldn't go that far with it. We'll just have, we'll just all pull on his arms and legs for a minute <laughs> and then we'll cut away. Yeah. <laughs> What does that mean? What does that give us? That combined score gives us a round total of 3.38 out of 5. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, definitely a recommendation. Not a strong one, um, but definitely it's a definitely recommendation. Well, that's the end of the niceties. Let's bring out the fights. It's time to get your sequels pitched. <laughs> this week, we are going to start with... Matthew Rushton, please. Ooh, okay. Mm. My sequel pitch is called The Bodyguard's Hitman. I, oh, I knew, yeah. Ooh, okay. I, I, that. I, I, was, I thought that. I might be walking a fine line. Someone else might have gone for that kind <laughs> of a approach, but I'm glad they haven't. Okay, here we go. The King Cades are still free, and we see an opening montage of them living their best lives in the French Riviera. On the flip side, we see Michael Bryce living in London. Lots of rainy scenes to counter the beautiful sun. But we do see him and Roussel back together. It turns out he does have some credentials restored. He's currently a double A standard. Triple A standard can only be restored on a fluke or accidental death, and he is still deemed responsible for his client's death. We learn of this through like some funny exposition stuff. He basically keeps cursing Kincaid for being the only son of a bitch that can grant him his AAA status back by confirming the story that he told Bryce in the first movie to, like, he has to convince, he has to tell it to Interpol. But the problem is, obviously, he's still wanted by Interpol for his many, many assassinations. <laughs> LOL. So we see another boring day with Bryce picking up his old buddy, Seifert, or whatever that character's name is, Richard E. Grant. I want to get Richard E. Grant back in for this movie. Uh, and there's another pile of kind of restrained criminals for Roussel to pick up. They have a bit of fun banter about being like a dream team. And Richard E. Grant throws up at the same time in the back of the car. Bryce makes a quip that he's like, oh, don't be a dick. But then realizes he's actually dying in the car. So then he manages to kind of pull over, intervene and save him. But in doing so, he realises he's been poisoned. And it's like, oh, that's a bit of a coward's way of assassinating someone. So Bryce doesn't know how to protect his client from poison and other kind of stealthy assassination attempts and realises he knows someone who may be able to help. Turns out he kept a burner phone and he could call Kincaid whenever he wants and the two have kind of, you know, got some weird love-hate relationship. Uh, they have some banter over the phone. Bryce gets soaked by a bus and like with a puddle, you know, classic British humour. Kincaid's there sat on a float uh, in a beautiful pool in the French Riviera drinking cocktails. Uh, and then Bryce is like, fuck it, we're flying out. So him, Richard E. Grant and uh, Roussel, Amelia Roussel, they all fly out. That that happens. They're all together now. Uh, you can work out why. Um so the gang all together, <laughs> Sonia Kincaid and Amelia Roussel, they, they get on straight away. They have a bit of bants and they, they're also mates. Um, and, you know, they have they always, they kind of sit there laughing like, oh, boys, looking at their partners arguing all the time. Um, but Sonia Kincaid lets slip that, she lets slip something. I, I didn't decide what, I'd just bring you the pitch, not the script. Um, she lets slip something in. Suddenly Roussel's like, hmm. 
perhaps she's not as innocent as she's kind of been making out to be uh, in italics. This is some additional kind of risk and tension in the party and it gives the females another narrative rather than just being the partners of uh, the protagonists. So anyway, the French Mafia get wind that Richard E. Grant's in France and they try and track him down. Uh, apparently the French police in Interpol are less bothered about doing this but yeah, there's like a huge gunfire and the party just about escape again. Bryson Kincaid tried to work out who wants Richard E. Grant dead so bad, but they don't succeed. Uh, Roussel's doing her own investigation, and she does manage to work it out, and it's none other than Sonia Kincaid's stepbrother. And Sonia knew the whole time. So, oh, bad times, you know, there's a big argument, uh, and it's only basically interrupted by another near-miss assassination attempt. You know, this is kind of similar to the first one with... Uh, Reynolds and Al Jackson behind the car and they're kind of having this funny argument but they're also just like kicking ass and escaping and cool references to that so anyway thankfully it turns out that they are related <laughs> that whilst they're related she actually hates him like he's probably tried to kill her in the past or something um but they you know she just wanted to keep her family name out of the crosshairs so the movie plays out with the party confronting and trying to get Sonia's stepbro from killing Richard E. Grant Seifert I don't know how to pronounce his name but to no avail Sonia then takes a bullet for Bryce in a similar vein to the first movie when, you know, her stepbrother tries to kill Bryce and Seifert. So, because of this, Darius obviously gets really mad and ends up killing him. Let's call him Axel or Pike or Summit, you can name him. It doesn't matter, he's dead. So, yeah, they achieve that. The movie ends with Roussel, you know, despite knowing about Sonia's family history and her kind of dark past, uh, she lets it slide because of the fact she took the bullet for Bryce, um, and she's also like you know the kin of one of the most powerful underground families in Europe or the world. So she turns a blind eye. They decide to nick uh, the stepbrother's beautiful super yacht, and they all go on a vacation. The end. Okay. Oh, oh they go oh, with Richard E. Grant. They take him on the vacation with. Them. Oh, good. So he's is he coming? Is he coming That's back for the third? Is he as well then? Tag along, fucking Richard Grant. <laughs> He's just he's still alive, so <laughs> they succeed. Um, Their mission is a success. Live, lovely. Okay, okay. A couple of questions, if I if I may. Yeah. Uh, so, Michael uh, Bryce takes Kincaid to to Richard e. Grant to help with the poisoning. Uh, the other way, um, he no, he. Bryce doesn't really understand like the poison side of assassinations. Mm. He just knows like get involved and be a bodyguard he can take bullets yeah. he doesn't know how to deal with poisons so he's like hmm i know someone who may know more about this and goes to kink it like they have a phone call and it just he gets pissed off and he's like fuck it we're coming out to you so they go so how out does Kincaid to uh save richard e grant then oh he doesn't like bryce saves him he probably sucks it out like i don't know <laughs> like, it's probably some like really maybe i don't know <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> he saves it. He uses an EpiPen. He... Oh, okay. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. I don't know. Um, I'm not. I'm. I've never saved someone from being poisoned well, he's, he's before. Call, he's calling Kincaid to help to help him, but yeah, he's going to end up doing it himself. No, he's calling Kincaid to find out more about who would poison someone. Like he wants to work out who wants Richard E. Grant dead. Oh, okay. So he's okay. thinking, oh, I'll use my assassin mate. Because he might know a guy. 
Okay, sure, sure. Okay, I get that. I get that. Um, so, any significance for Sonya taking the bullet for Bryce? Because I know at the end, it you know, she gets forgiven by um, uh, what's her name, Amelia. Yeah. But she wouldn't have known that. So, is it just like friendship? Could, I think like the idea is that she's not that like neither Kincaid like both Kincaids have like this soul about them. You know, Darius is we kind of see it with him in the first movie, he does form somewhat of an attachment to Bryce in the end. He cares for him. And I kind of want the women to have a similar journey in their side of things so that, you know, we learn that Sonya's stepbrother and her family are this really fucked up family. But there's nothing saying that she can't have some redemptive arc. And I think taking the bullet is, one, a redemptive arc for her, but also gives then that extra wait for Amelia to go more into the grey zone and despite knowing everything she's like look but you did also save that dickhead um, who nearly got himself shot so I'll I'll let this one slide that kind of thing so it's plot okay. really yeah yeah okay um, any reason I mean big fan of Richie Grant but any reason you didn't choose another you didn't want to bring a new character in I think I just quite enjoyed that scene in the car with him <laughs> in the first <laughs> one. Um, I just, I don't know, yeah. why not just use Richard E. Grant if you've got him? Um, yeah. I was because thinking, like could, a... you bring, could you bring Uzik back from the dead? Well, from the murder mob that grabbed him. But um, no, I don't know. I must admit, I was kind of like, uh, do I just make up a character? Like, I bring the stepbrother in, so I don't know who could play him. Yeah. Javier Bardem or something. Who knows? Um Someone can play. That's a cracking shout, actually. Like yeah, I laugh, would... but Javier Bardem showing yeah. up for the last right. five minutes of the movie. See, this is why this rad. is why I should go into movie producing. I can just come up with these ideas off the fly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, you know, I think that's where you can introduce another big name actor. Um, you've already got a stellar lineup. You don't want to keep adding more and more to it. Lovely. Okay. Thank you very much, Matt. Okay, I'll take a breather. Yes. Move on, please, to Drew, please. Whenever you're ready. Always last. Take the floor. Do you want to go next, Ross? No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> Best to last is fine. All right, um, all right. mine <laughs> is, I've, I've named mine The Hitman's Bodyguard's Intern. Okay, so it's a little bit, a little bit better than Matt's. That will <laughs> be factored in. I Yeah, specifically because you said you just wanted it to be as long as possible and I didn't want to get too ridiculous. That I nearly went with the bodyguards hitman and then yeah. I was like, oh wait, no, Andy didn't. Andy wanted it to be longer. So there we go. Um, so Bryce uh, is living living his best life as a now new reinstated AAA rated bodyguard Um He's kind of international. He's got he's got a few members of staff on his team. Um, he's got regular like contractors that he goes to, um, and he's living his best life. He's back with uh, Agent Rousseau. Everything's great. And one day he is visited by a lawyer. Um, after we hear some good exposition about a, a, a massive incident at the UN uh, a couple of weeks prior, he's visited by this lawyer who sits down and says that he's been hired by Darius Kincaid. Um, uh, Darius has been locked up in a high security prison that is so hard to get out of after he broke out for his anniversary um, that he he cannot get out. Um, so he has sent a lawyer to Michael um, to hire Michael to go and help Sonia 
after she actually caused the giant international incident at the UN. Um, Amelia is on a major assignment, so she can't help Michael out, but they kind of stay in touch through the movie. Um, Michael is like, right, I need backup. But because of this giant incident that happened, all of his usual like mercenaries and people that he'd go to on short notice aren't available. The only person who is available is his new unpaid intern, James. And I kind of... I. I the vibe is very much Ian the intern from Thor the Dark World um but preferably someone sort of quite young but that absolutely that vibe if I could get away with casting that exact same guy I probably would um so Michael uh, kind of uses his super duper good bodyguard like intel stuff and finds Sonia in a safe house in Mexico and he's there as like government forces are closing in um, and so Michael sort of gets in with um, with James, the intern, and introduces himself and sort of says, hi, Sonia, right, I've got to get you out of here. And the police start coming in. And so Sonia's trying to kill them, but Michael knows that they're police. And so Michael's trying to stop Sonia from killing the police whilst stopping them from taking her because he's been hired to keep her from not from being arrested. Um, and so, like, Sonia's being really sweet to him and asking about Amelia and all of that stuff while she's like brutally smashing dudes in the face. Um, she's also probably very inappropriate with James. Um, and James as the intern is kind of the point of view character for the audience so that when this bonkers stuff is happening on screen, we've got someone who's like, what the fuck? Like just really overwhelmed and that kind of comic aspect to it whilst Ryan Reynolds is quipping and Selma Hayek is being certifiably mad and brilliant. Um, so they escape and then we get the backstory of what's happened. Basically, Sonia was blackmailed into attacking the UN with some anthrax or something similar. Um, or she heard that Kincaid would be killed in jail. Um, she says that as she failed, it's only a matter of time until they get to him. So she is going to break him out of jail to keep him safe. And as Michael's been hired to protect her, he has to come too. And so he kind of begrudgingly agrees. But you can tell that he wants to do it because he does care for Kincaid as well. Um, you have a really cool breakout sequence of the highest security prison in the UK, um, have Ryan Reynolds having to do a fake British accent and have comedy from that to match his cover documents. Sonia's mad, have a bit where Sonia gets shut in with some like super violent criminals who are just unambiguously evil so that she gets to go to town and kill a bunch of them and it's as violent as you want it to be and she gets that out of her system um eventually they get Kincaid out and you have lots of good banter and inappropriate PDAs from the Kincaids but then it turns out the intern was one of the baddies all along they wanted to get Kincaid out of prison so that they could torture him to get the details of the S FTP site where he keeps all of the all of his leverage on his um on his employers and where he kept the evidence against Gary Oldman in the last movie and there's this big international crime syndicate that want all that information so that they can have leverage and all the most powerful people in the world so they needed him out of prison they needed Sonia to want to break him out so that they could capture him and get the information um, the intern calls his boss we hear a familiar voice on the phone but we're not quite sure who it is and he's ordered to kill Michael and Sonia because they only need Kincaid but then at the last moment Agent Rousseau arrives and kills the intern and saves them um, it turns out the case that she was working was obviously tied to this and she's been tracking them and she got there just in time um, Michael they have a bit of banter and Michael's like it would have been really useful to know that and she's like I'm lit you like I am sworn to secrecy and it's my job I can't share information 
information with a civilian and you have that back and forth a bit. Um, Amelia is also super angry at Michael for breaking the law and breaking Kincaid out of prison. And she's kind of heartbroken and she says she's got to take them all in. Obviously, the Kincaids are like, no, we're not going back. We're not going to jail. Um, it looks like it's going to really kick off. But then Kincaid knocks basically everyone out. Um <laughs> Michael then wakes up with the Kincaids. He's furious. He's like, no, I wanted to stay. I should go to jail. Like, I love Amelia. I want to try and fix this. And he's like, Darius, you've always been like all about love. It's all about love. And Darius is like, no, you saw what you did. You broke a man out of jail and she works for the police. That's over. You're done now. Um, And so Ryan Reynolds kind of resigns himself to that. Um, They realise they need to go undercover and kind of investigate the intern and sort of stay under the radar. Um, They go through his application for the job. It's all fake, etc, etc. But eventually they work out his connection. He works for Mr. Seifert, Richard E. Grant's character from the first movie. And he's been he's been a big baddie all along. Oh, for fuck. Um, <laughs> um, they they realise they need to get to Mr. Seifert and his organisation, um, so they get sloppy, as it were, and start sort of giving away their position to set a trap. The baddies come hunting them. Interpol have picked up on the clues, and so they arrive at the same time. You have a massive fight. There's bullets flying. Baddies are being taken down everywhere. Eventually, Mr. Seifert gets the drop on Michael um, and is about to shoot him. Kincaid dives to take the bullet, but then kind of accidentally hits a table and turns in midair, so he actually... Actually pulls Michael into the path of the bullet so Michael gets shot again anyway um, Agent Russo and Interpol take down the bad guys um, Kincaid tells Michael he can get him out and get him patched up and so he won't go to jail but Michael's like no I've got to stay and face the consequences so the Kincaids go on the run they're crazy they live happy ever after off the grid and are mad and Michael and Amelia reconcile even though he goes to prison and that's the end very nice okay See what questions I have. Uh, so, what was the thinking making Richard E. Grant the bad guy then after his lovable comic performance in the first one? So, because he's he's clearly like not entirely on the level in the first one. He's a bit of a douchebag. No one plays a villain like Richard E. Grant, and he was already set up. The thing that I was really struggling with, um, and again, and a better screenwriter than I, or a better story story breaker than i am would think of a good way to introduce a villain at the beginning of the movie that would work with the rough story that i've come up with but i couldn't work it out and so it was it was a a helpful shortcut for me to use him because he's already been established in the series of films and so even though he is the villain hasn't shown up until kind of the beginning of um the sort of rising action at the end of Act Two, he's still he's already been sort of semi-established already within the series. So hopefully that helps me get away with that a bit. Frankly, that was a fair answer. Fair answer. Um, right. So let's go into the ending then. Is it mm-hmm. a happy ending? Do you, do you think? Because you you talk about yes. Michael yeah, yeah, yeah. consequences to be, you know, face up to your consequences, but then he lets uh, Sam Jackson go. So yeah, he's 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 owning up to his own actions, mm. but he's he's like, no, it was my decision to do that, and I we broke you out. Like, yeah, Sam Jackson didn't say no, I'm going to stay here in my cell, but he wasn't he wasn't the instigator. Oh, yeah, the 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 fact is, one one thing that I, I realized didn't doesn't really come across at all in the pitch is that the lawyer who shows up at the beginning to hire Michael wasn't sent by Kincaid. 
Um, All right. And that that comes out when it's revealed the intern is one of the baddies. Yeah. It's because they're like, oh, King Cap, we we've busted you out, and he's like, why have you busted me? I great, thanks, but why are you here? And then they're like, wait, but no, you hired me to. And he's like, no, I didn't. Um, and so, yeah. yeah. Cool. But Very but cool. so he he wasn't in control of being broken out, and so it's it's more about Michael taking responsibility for his own actions to prove that Amelia is important to him. Because I didn't, I wanted Amelia to join the team, and then I was like, no, she like works for Interpol, and she's clearly very dedicated to her, to her job, and she wouldn't jeopardize her job to go and just flagrantly break the law. So, there we go. Very good. Okay, lovely. And finally, Mister Ross, Rostafer Harmston. All right. Whenever you're ready. Uh, my are. film is called Hitman, The Hitman's Bodyguard 2. Boring is better. Oh, I like okay. it. Yeah, I like yeah. that a lot. Right, it's good. The film opens and we see the bright neon lights of Tokyo. The camera then cuts to a vibrant club and we focus in on Stephen Young sitting in an office overlooking the club. A big motherfucker comes in and whispers and says, Mr. Kurosawa, he's ready to talk. We then follow him back into a back room uh, in which someone is being tortured. We learn through exposition that the guy being tortured is a hitman and Stephen Young's character is Akinari Kurosawa, Takeshi, Takashi's, Takashi Kurosawa's son. Oh, shit, son. <laughs> um, so, hold on, hold on. And then, uh, and that, he took his father's business of arms dealing over uh, with the help of some Yakuza ties. Akinari says, who killed my father? The tortured uh, hitman shouts, Concade! Bloody Concade, you bloody idiot! Um, Akinari then pulls a gun and shoots the hitman. He tells the big motherfucker he wants Concade and Michael Bryce who he learned the identity recently of, uh, dead. And he puts a huge price on their head. Oh, shit. Uh, <coughs> cut to the two couples on holiday together in Brazil. This segment is the movie is a bit lighthearted. Maybe Darius and Sonia being really loud and swearing loads, and the other two being like, shut up. <laughs> anyway, there's, um, there's a moment with both Darius and Michael are being ab- about to be killed, maybe by a sniper or something. And Sonia and Elodie save them at the last second. It's time for the girlfriends to be the bodyguards. What? Uh, so cue an action sequence in which I didn't put the length because, you know, I always get told off for well, putting yeah. length. Uh, which Hitman... It's exactly as long as it needs to be. <laughs> yeah. uh, which, uh, uh, yeah, which the Hitmen are trying to kill them. All of them have loads of fights using whatever they can find to protect themselves, bricks, pens, etc. Darius recognises the other hitman and there's some comedy in that. <laughs> they they try and flee Brazil via a local airport, <laughs> steal a plane, have a fight on board the plane with some more hitmen. Michael quips and says, how many hitmen are there in Brazil? <laughs> Eventually they capture one of the hitmen. Michael is like, uh, should we waterboard him? Everyone looks at him like, what? Uh, Darius then just shoots him in the arm. 
then the leg. Eventually, the injured hitman tells him that there is a massive price for both of their heads. Michael asks how much his is, and Darius laughs when it's not as much as his. <laughs> uh, anyway, they learn that the order uh, came from Tokyo. Darius says he knows someone there that can help track the person that put the order out. We then have a scene where Akinari, learning that all the hitmen have failed, he says, double the price on their heads and get the Yakuza. They all land in Tokyo and meet up with Darius's contact, learn all the all about the stuff we learned at the beginning of the movie. Michael quips, I tried to save him. Why does he want me dead? Anyway, the contact uh, sees on their CCTV that some armed men have found the building. Michael looks at Darius, who says, don't look at me, and then sees Sonia texting someone. He throws a phone at the wall. Uh, Darius says, we need guns, lots of guns. The contact opens up a big armoured door to reveal guns, and with lots of windows inside that, in, inside that room. Michael says, what's the point of the door? Anyway, 20 minutes action. Anyway, this is where I did put uh, time. Uh, 20-minute action sequence all around Tokyo and four, four, four of the four getting away from the hitmen and the Yakuza, each of them having their individual fights with people being badass, mainly the female, saving the guys. They find a phone on one of them. Darius checks his pockets and finds a, uh, finds a phone on one of the dead guys. Michael says, there's no way that the bad guy's number is in there. We see him scroll through the contacts and the, ne the, the name says boss uh, under it and Darius laughs. <laughs> LED then uses her contacts at Interpol to trace the number's location. They find the location of the nightclub. They head to the nightclub in a big final fight, similar to like John Wick club style uh, the John Wick club fight scene with all Akinari's men both Michael and Darius have to take down the big guy together LED and Sonia have to take on people together as well eventually Akinari is the only one left he grabs LED but Michael manages to talk him round to lower the gun then Darius shoots him Michael's like what are you doing and then it fades to black then in the final scene we see all of four living in the middle of a uh, middle of a snowy nowhere together Michael snaps at Darius and says you had to kill him didn't you um, and that's the end of the movie in all this movie there is development for dialogue for the characters relationships uh, to grow especially between the two girlfriends as well just thought I'd throw that in there before you fucking start just having a go at me because <laughs> I didn't bullshit. put any character work there that's we go bullshit. oh yeah no 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 can I, can I just add a line to the end of my pitch that says my pitch is amazing and it's Oscar winning and it's the best movie ever you can yeah <laughs> Yeah, there you go. There's mine. Come on, give me your okay. questions. Yeah, good, very good. Uh, let's have a look. What, what, what can I? Um, so I like that you've brought a new bad guy in. I like Stephen Young, um, but I feel he hasn't got much to do. Like he says a lot of orders and stuff. But do we ever see a, a like a big torture scene? Is he torturing someone at the start, or is that his men? No, no, that's his. That he's torturing some hitman to find out. Yeah, that, so that's him personally. We yeah, see him can, be a badass. Yeah, yeah, he comes. He puts does his gun down at the end, so it's a bit like how much in, how much of the end fight is is a fight. Well, it is he is gonna be fighting with them? Like he's gonna do some stuff in the action sequence, you know, as well. He's gonna fight them, uh, but then he eventually he grabs uh, one of their girlfriends. I can't remember who I said, uh, and then puts a gun to their head. Um, but he's he's just upset that his dad's dead. That's the only thing, you know. Fair, fair. 
And um, but yes, I do want him to have maybe cutbacks to like similar to how they did it in um, in the first one with uh, what's his face? Oh, going up the stairs. Um, oh. No, it was similar to like cutting back to like what's his name? Gary Oldman's character, yeah. like occasionally, like he's not the main. Like he's just the bad guy, but um, oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so how many people in Tokyo were after these four people that they've got to fight? Ah, uh, you know, loads. The accuser the, the and the hitman. The, yeah, like like there's lots of hitmen. It's like it's like John Wick, you know, when mm. when he when he when he goes to meet that guy in the thing, and then he goes, oh look, look, every all of these people are under my. But yeah, it's just any hitman that wants that money, which is a lot of money, uh, mm. and the yakuza, you know. So yeah, that so a quite a, quite a few, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough uh, for okay. them to you... rack up a body count. My final question: uh, Can you just explain the ending a bit more? Like, why why did they end up on a snowy top? So snowy basically, he shoots him, and he's like, "Oh, for f- for f-. so now they're probably going to be wanted um, people because um, they're all you know doing bad shit." Um, and so they have to go hide out in a snowy retreat somewhere in Canada or something. I don't know, fucking log cabin somewhere in the in the middle. Of, and then he's just really angry at Concave because he's forced them all to just like hide away for a bit. So uh, yeah, and that's it. And then, then that's the end. Maybe there might be a third. Who knows? Um, we'll see. In their snowy little mountain. Yeah. Um. Mm-mm. Okay, well, this is tough. This is very tough, boys. This is going to... This fight is going to mean a lot. I haven't got a bell to ring, but... <laughs> ding, 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 go for it. Throw the blows at each other. <laughs> no, let me uh, point out, I, w- I want to know why yours is better than the others, why it follows the first one well, and inevitably the third one that might eventually come. Uh, any ideas or anything about that? Cool. Well, I mean, okay, I, I, I think I think that mine, mine follows on pretty well from where the characters kind of ended up, um, and I think it uses stuff that was already established earlier on. I, I think mine's a, a relatively good sequel. I'm not saying it's the best movie in the world, despite what I added to the end of my pitch. However, <laughs> what I'll say about the others, um, is first off, Matt's only really has one action scene in the middle it has it has richard e grant being poisoned and throwing up in a car and then they go and see sam jackson and then there's one action scene and then it's the end of the movie um and the baddie only shows up right at the end of the movie and then it's sort of, oh and then there's the stepbrother and he's dead um ross ross's has a bit the slightly underwhelming ending like it it felt a bit nonsensical um ross keeps keeps on not pronouncing samuel jackson's character's name correctly so he clearly doesn't get it's kincaid oh whatever darius (laughs) kincaid and also frankly both of these guys in response to some of your questions andy ended going i don't know i mean maybe maybe because because yeah why not that yeah they just ended up at least i put some thought into my responses and my story in general there we go i put thought in I just fucking threw out Harry Bardem in the middle of mine. 
I, I refuse to say that I didn't have creative thoughts. I just whittle around and go, oh, well, I don't know, I don't know. I, I must admit, I just, I can't really picture anyone other than the Thor Dark World guy. You know, like. <laughs> Good um, Lord. Good Lord. Is that what I sound like? That's how I wanted you to sound like for that moment. <laughs> um but okay, so I will uh, try and defend myself. I feel like June might have made a semi-relevant point, but um, then I just took offence <laughs> at the end. <laughs> so whatever he said about my pitch, I'm going to floss over. Um, I feel like mine is another very natural sequel. Um, the Kincaids are on the run, straight off the end of the movie. Uh, there is more than one action sequence. That's it, I remember now. There is more than one action sequence. The first sequence is where they get found in France. I mean, I probably skipped over it, but it is in my uh, in my notes that actually they, they work out it's the stepbrother and he is in mainland Europe or France or somewhere and then they go to him to get this resolved. That was just a bit that I missed out, you know, you... We're only allowed a page nowadays, thanks, Ross. So you have to cut, you have to cut some of the fat off. Um, but yeah, I feel like mine really naturally, rather than last point in my pitch, uh, expands. You know, the relationship and the female protagonist to make them much more even keel throughout the movie. Um, yeah, there's probably some bits where I didn't flesh it out enough, but I feel like. This is a skeleton of a movie pitch. Uh, this is a strong one. Ross, I don't need to say anything more. Drew has touched on why you probably shouldn't pick Ross. I will just wait and hear what Ross has to say about his movie. You should pick mine because mine has... Um, I follow on from a character that was mentioned and uh, in the as in the thing as an arms dealer. So I wanted to focus on the relationship that, you know... Uh, have a have a good old fashioned revenge thing in in an action comedy. Like, I've got the action and I've definitely got the comedy. So that's why I think you should pick mine because yeah, because it's better than the other two. Because <laughs> I don't have Richard reason. E. Grant in mind. Fucking <laughs> Richard E. Grant. No, oh, I can hate oh. Richard E. Grant. Okay then. Okay, let's let's wrap this up. Let's 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 go around the room. Let's start with How Ross. How dare you, Ross? Uh, since he's just finished, uh, <laughs> Ross, I like the John Wick vibe you've got going on. Definitely, I, I can see that. I think yeah, the we can change if we change the casting, then um, it would probably uh, we can get rid of that problem. Uh, I like what you've done with the yeah the women's to uh, kind of giving them more to do while still kind of keeping the focus on the on the two male leads. Um, and I can definitely see the moments where quippiness can uh, happen. Um, I'm not, I'm not loving the ending. Um, we can change it to, to the the fact that he's just shot and killed. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. It it, it would need a it would need a. Uh, yeah, I can see. It, it would definitely need changing. <laughs> I can't think of anything at the moment. To, to, even but... more anticlimactic. <laughs> just dude gets shot in the face, cut to black. Just add 20 yeah, end credit scenes of all their different times through the year. Thanksgiving, Christmas, <laughs> Halloween, Easter. You know, just fucking I, show I love that. together for a year. I, I actually love that. That's good, yeah. There you go. Thanks. Um... Ross, when you win, just remember that I gave you that <laughs> win, yeah? All right, cheers, mate, yeah. Uh, Matt. Uh, could definitely still see the comedy that's all in there. I like like the flip side uh, scenes you got going on with like the uh, ones in the pool. 
Ryan Reynolds gets splashed by a puddle and maybe a little kid can splash, splash a bit of water on um, Sam Jackson. That could be quite funny. I see that. Um, yeah, I like the tension that you brought with um, Amelia being suspicious uh, about Sonia's family. Um, I'm not too sure if she, you know, I, I don't know if I'd buy that she wouldn't say, if she wouldn't speak up sooner. If they're being on the, if they, if she knows that they're being hunted by this person. Um, I don't know. I feel, yeah, it's, I feel like it's just lacking maybe a, a big, a, like a twist or another big scene or something. Yeah, I think it's, like, it's maybe a little bit too short. Um... And Drew, yeah, I like yours. I think I like the the, the new the kind of in, the intern way of uh, POV of the audience, uh, and then him kind of turning around to be the baddie. Again, with the same as um, Ross, I think the ending might need a bit of a, a tweak. Um, um, but apart from that, all very very solid film sequels that I would definitely go to see. Oh, it's difficult. It's difficult. But I think. I'm gonna give it to Ross because, to be fair, yeah, I quite like his. It, oh, uh, we're changed. We're changed the cast, and I don't know. I don't know why. <sighs> yeah, we we'll have to. We literally have to change quite a lot of the third act. But the the other two acts, I I quite enjoy. So yeah, Ross, I'm... well done, man. You you won it this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> three weeks, three weeks in a row because I definitely won Indiana Jones last week. Well, uh... we feel bad because you didn't get. You only had like half the. You know, half the. Half the power. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. Um, wow, thanks. I I liked uh, <laughs> Drew's and Matt's. I, yeah, I Drew's was good. so close as well. It was just a. Uh... It's so trite. Yeah, I liked those <laughs> ones as well. <laughs> I'd like to thank uh, the Oscars. I'd like to thank Drew. Uh, no, I did. I liked them. I always. I, it's going up against the behemoth of Drew when he's like really. Th- fully fledged out his characters and stuff and stories and I'm just there just going ah just put some quips in there 20 minute fight scene here 20 <laughs> yeah. minute fight scene there yeah yeah. That's, that's fine I can and Matt the character as well Matt as well oh yeah the other guy uh, I should just yeah, fuck yeah, off yeah. again <laughs> you know I clearly wasn't missed Jordan yeah, yeah, Matt, hit you're me there up, as well, you know Ross, why don't you tell everyone what we're going to be watching and pitching a sequel to next week? For episode 20. Episode 20, everyone. Drop us some love. Okay. For episode 20, we are doing one of my favourite Disney movies. The 2016 animation Moana. Moana. Very very interesting choice. Yes. Good. Moana gets singing on the uh, on the podcast next week. So Drew's just going to release his solo album. (laughs) I want you to give me the songs that you're going to put in the films. You can do one line or like one, or just tell me the. Just give you the the, titles, maybe the titles of the song. Yeah, or the premise of of the song. Yeah, yeah. If but if you want to write a line of the song, I'm more than down (laughs) for that. So yeah. You well, don't have to have well, songs. We formed it. Will we get extra points? You might do. Right. Yeah. Because I, I know a swing band, so that could, uh, <laughs> that could work in my favour. Is this going to become like the musical <laughs> yeah. episode of Buffy, where we all end up just singing <laughs> the whole episode a sequel pitch? Yeah. We sung our pitches. That would be amazing. It won't be. And so comes another end to an episode. We want to thank everyone for listening, of course. But don't worry, we'll be back next Friday, as we always are. Let's have a goodbye from our winner this week, Ross Harmston. Bye-bye! Goodbye from Drew Toynbee. Goodbye, everyone. And goodbye to Matthew Rushton. Oh, you remembered me. I am so <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye for me, Andy Henry. Have a good week. See you. Bye-bye! We love you, really.